0: Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today I am joined by Leah Koch, one of the two sisters who opened The Ripped Bodice, a predominantly romance-based bookstore here in Los Angeles. Leah talks to us about opening a bookstore, her love of romance, and so much more. Before we get to it, let's do a little housekeeping. All right, here it is, your weekly reminder. Everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. There is a link there that will take you to all the books discussed today, as well as the social media accounts for The Stacks and our guests. Plus, if you shop through the links on Amazon, you're helping to keep The Stacks free. If you're looking for an amazing book recommendation, send us an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. Myself and my guest will read it on air, discuss it, and then give you a personalized book recommendation or five. So email askingthesex at gmail.com with your name, what you're looking for, and maybe a few titles you've loved or hated. If you like the stacks and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. First of all, join us over on Patreon. That's a website where you support the work we're doing and earn perks for yourself. We've got a virtual book club, we got inside access to the show, and we have an amazing community of other readers who love the podcast. So head over to patreon.com slash the stacks to join in. The last thing you can do to help the show is definitely the easiest. Subscribe to the stacks wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review and tell your friends and family about the show. It goes a really long way to helping us reach new audiences. All right, now it's time for my conversation with Leah Koch. Okay, everybody. I am here today with Leah Koch. She is one of the co-owners of The Ripped Bodice, which is the first U.S. bookstore to focus almost exclusively on romance books. Leah, welcome to The Stacks. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am lucky to live in L.A., so this is kind of like my local bookstore, one of my many local bookstores because L.A. is awesome like that. Tell us about you a little bit first, kind of how books became part of your life and then we'll talk about the birth of this amazing bookstore which we're recording in which we don't usually go places but
1: oh we're, we're here on on location yeah
0: we're on location um, at the rip bodice
1: well uh we're upstairs in the used book room which is very atmospheric it looks like a very slightly more well-organized version of your grandma's attic yeah <laughs> okay so how how did books become a part of my life uh from the time before I was born I assume (laughs) I assume I was being read to in utero um I am from Chicago so I have two older siblings a brother who lives in New York now uh and then my sister who I own the store with and I you know I think our parents were just aggressively into books both as adults and as you know a practice of getting your kids interested in reading. They wanted us to be readers, and it worked very well. <laughs> um, you know, just, I mean, I have so many memories of them reading to us before we went to sleep. Like in the summer, my mom would read out loud to all of us. Like in the mm. afternoons, we'd all just sort of like lay around. What was she reading to you guys? Uh, my strongest memories of Red uh, the Redwall series. Okay. Um, do you know those? They're, no. Oh, they're so. Funny. It's like um, it's like fantasy about. A rodent kingdom. So okay. they're like mice and squirrels, and like, oh, they're so good. um <laughs> I did not look that one up, so I don't remember the it's okay. author, but we it's... link to everything in the show
0: okay. notes. So if you just throw things great. out, You're gonna it'll have be a, a lot. Yeah, it'll be a lot of work. But so I remember
1: Redwall. I remember Tuck Everlasting. Okay, I do um, know that one. And my mom had always called me Winnie, and that's the heroine's name. I don't, I wonder if it started that summer because I like the book so much or if it predated that. I'm not sure. Anyway. So, and then we would take tons of family trips to the bookstore. Um, There was a Barnes and Noble, um, not that far from us in Chicago, and we would like go on Sundays. And when we were old enough, uh, our parents would be like, okay, we're going to meet back here at, you know, Mm. in 30 minutes, everybody. Now don't come to my store and do that. I literally just had to kick out a seven-year-old child who was here (laughs) alone. I'm like, where is your parent? Anyway. um, Times have changed. Yes. (laughs) We were older. Uh, so I, I just I've always loved books, Um, did tons of reading. I feel like most of my memories reading are in the summer just because you have like so much more time. Right. To like lay around. Um, And then I, I have pretty good memories of um the books that we read throughout elementary and middle school. Things change when we get to high school. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. Yes. It's on the list. I love high school um, books. Then things get bad, but uh, no, I was lucky enough to go to a really good school and have teachers who were really invested in um, making sure kids loved books. Um, like we, we, and we also went to the library. Right. Like, I think it was probably, you know, I think my parents bought us a lot of books. Um, so we we weren't necessarily like library junkies, but mm-hmm. I do remember going to the library. Right.
0: What were your parents reading? Do you remember? Or what kind of stuff were they into? Ooh, I don't think I really remember. I mean, kids are self-centered. Um. Well, do you know now what they read now? Oh, yeah. Like, what sort of stuff do your parents read? I'm just um, curious, because if you come from a family of readers, yes. like, does your brother, you said you had a brother mm-hmm. and, a, and obviously a sister. Yeah. Do you guys all read the same sort of stuff?
1: No. no not at all. Different. Um. So my mother is no longer alive. So okay. I don't, uh, it would be interesting to know because she was not a romance reader, okay, um, and that's like somewhat different than a lot, a lot of people get into romance through their moms or just general female relatives. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am i i do not I would be interesting to know if she would like try it out mm-hmm. once we did this as a career. I don't think she had any particular problem with it; it just wasn't her jam. She was a voracious fiction reader, just okay. sort of like general fiction. I mean, she, I think she read a lot of nonfiction. The interesting thing is we we have. An actual library at my home in Chicago. Mm. My parents. We moved when I was ten to a house that my parents had built, mm. which contains a two-story library. Ugh. Um So everyone is in their car right now, being like, "Dream." Yeah. So, and I Hashtag think goals. that tells you <laughs> about them that they, when they were designing their dream home, you know, instead of having like a living room, right? They, they were like, "We need." They a wanted library. a library, two stories, uh, and it's still extremely full of, uh, I was home not that long ago and helping my dad clean out the travel section, which contained, you know, the guide to traveling with kids in London, 1997, which is like maybe not so relevant anymore. So they don't, it doesn't get cleaned out very often. So that being said, like I have quite a snapshot of what they like to read. Uh, Like she was really into parenting books. Like we have so (laughs) many books that we now like to laugh at because they have titles like Parenting Your Sensitive Child or like... How to talk to your horrible Teenage. Right. Right. Oh my God. Um, my dad loves mysteries mm-hmm. and thrillers. Um, he re I mean, he reads he likes to like stay up on he's a very much like New York Times bestseller kind of guy. Okay. Like whatever people are talking about, he wants to have read. Um and yeah. I mean, he... I don't know. I forget, like, the names of... Like, all those series that I'm like, who reads this, where it's, like, the guy that eventually Tom Cruise is going to play in a TV sure. show that no one watches and right. has, like, 27 books. Right. He likes those. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, Got it. And then my brother reads... I mean, he... So he's an urban planner. Okay. Um. So he has, like, a huge collection of books about cities. Okay. He, I mean, he reads a lot of nonfiction, like... And I always will get him book or I'll like see books that are like the history of the train. And I'm like, who would read this? I'm like, my, well, brother. my brother's already read it. <laughs> um, he's like, I loved it. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> um, and and then B and I, I mean, see, even B and I don't have that similar taste because, yes, we both read romance, but she is much more of a historical person than I am a contemporary person. Got it. Um, so lots of lots of varied taste in our um, family.
0: Okay, let's talk about the bookstore. Okay. The Rip Bodice here in Culver City. You guys started it through a Kickstarter. Uh-huh. What was that like?
1: Very stressful. It was yeah. very stressful. And I don't think we anticipated how stressful it was gonna be. Um I, yeah, I mean, it was just that it lasts a month. I think now you can do two months if you want to, but it was then it was a month. Um and it was just it was it's such an unusual way to do things because um, you go from one day, you know, maybe ten, 10 people, like, were knew about our plans. It was probably more, but, like, intimately, like, knew the details, friends, family, whatever. And then you literally hit a switch and it's just, like, thousands of people suddenly.
0: How many people contributed do you think that you have never met or heard from since? Or didn't know. Well, going those are in. two different
1: questions, right? So, I would say like three quarters were strangers. Strangers at the time. Yeah. So we had 609 donors. Thank you. Um, I remember <laughs> these things. I've never done a calculation on how many were strangers. I could go back and do it, but I would say like probably three quarters. Okay. And then since then, I mean, still to this day, we get people who come in and say, I was an original Kickstarter supporter and this is my first time in the store because I live in Canada or right. France or New Jersey or whatever.
0: How long's the store been open?
1: Uh, three and a half years.
0: Three and a half years. It'll be
1: four in um, March of 2020. Okay. Um, our anniversary is March 4th. Is our party? Should we all come? Yes. Okay. So every year, um, it's really fun. We do, every year, we uh, like make goodie bags um, that like publishers send us all the like stuff from the last year that they don't want anymore (laughs) and authors too. And then we like pack tote bags and then the first hundred customers a day like get a bunch of free stuff.
0: Okay. March 4th.
1: Yes. It's the only calendar day of the year that is an action. March March 4th. 4th.
0: Beautiful. I I love it. it. I I love it. I
1: didn't know that. And then someone told me on Twitter. Perfect.
0: Okay. So three and a half years ago, you do this Kickstarter slightly before that. Mm -hmm. You open the bookstore. Yeah. I'm going to assume that a lot of people listening to this have a dream of opening a bookstore, myself included. What are the parts about having a bookstore that are super glamorous that you (gasps) actually love? And then what are the parts that are like, this is my nightmare? Like, like, kind of
1: debunk some of the myth. Well... I, I don't know. I like hate doing that because it's like, I get roughly one email a week from someone who wants to open a bookstore.
0: And <laughs> and that's the worst part of having a bookstore. <laughs> uh, no, but it's related
1: to it. yeah um And to my knowledge, one of those people in the three and a half years has actually done it. And it's the other romance bookstore in America, which is outside of Chicago. Wow. Um, it's called Love Street Arrow. So I'm pretty sure they're the only people who've said we're thinking about doing this and then actually done it. And that's out of probably like, I don't know, 100 people. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it's really hard to make money this way. Mm -hmm. If you don't need to make money, knock your socks off. Like, have a great time. It's just the the, the financials are really hard to make work. Right. Um, And we make it work in a variety of sort of unexpected ways. I frequently wonder how other bookstores are like doing it because we tend to do things like pretty differently. Um, so I, there is there is one thing that B and I often note when we go to a general independent bookstore, which is someone that's not genre specific. And we see their new releases table covered with those twenty eight dollar hardcovers, And we are like we are so fucking stupid. Because we don't sell hardcovers, because romance doesn't Doesn't come out in hardcover. hardcover. So people who who are selling twenty eight dollars books, and most of our books are eight dollars. So we're like, this was so stupid, but no, it wasn't. Anyway, Um, does romance ever come in hardcover? Like literally five people. It's like Nora Roberts. Um, Nalini Singh has moved to hardcover. She's a paranormal author. Like Susan Mallory. Like huge. There are like maybe ten people that they'll put out in hardcover. It's just it's the buying market of Mm. romance. They do not buy hardcovers. Interesting. Anyway. (laughs) Um, okay. So the most fun parts about owning a bookstore are like probably exactly what you think it is. Like the window displays, any display visual stuff in the store is so fun. I love doing that. And that was something that was like pretty unexpected. I like kind of did go to art school and then sort of forgot that I went to art school and then I was like, oh, right. And I was like we need to do a window display and I was like, oh, I guess I could do that. You went to USC. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um I have a degree in visual and performing arts studies. Okay. Um so love doing that stuff. Love doing all the ordering um Obviously, like choosing the books, but also choosing like all the other stuff, mugs and candles and like jewelry and stuff. That's super fun. Because you guys sell, they sell a bunch of
0: cards here, Mm -hmm. tote bags, gifts, pins, just like this is the bookstore of your Instagram dreams. Thank you. Like it's just really beautiful. It's so well, it just is really gorgeous when you walk in. The display is beautiful. So if you've never been or seen, I'm going to take some pictures before I leave today so that... You, I'll share this on our Instagram so you can see. But it's just a really, it just feels like you're inside like a really lovey, warm place. Oh,
1: thank you. And that's totally on purpose, by the way. Right. Like, I don't
0: think you guys are accidental geniuses. I think most geniuses <laughs> actually use their brain.
1: Well, yeah. It's just, we we wanted, literally, we designed it to be Instagrammed. Right.
0: Um, Because that's how people do things nowadays. Right. And if you designed it to be anything else, I would think, what idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have an opportunity here, but you because you guys are young, you guys are millennials. Yes. I'm a millennial. There is something to be said for understanding that social media landscape that a lot of bookstore owners probably don't,
1: yeah, it's something we think about a lot. Um, there's no data on this, but we're theoretically among the youngest independent bookstore owners in the world. Um, and yes, i was I was so funny. I was just thinking about this last night because. The, the things I hear about social media when I go to, like, conferences and stuff with other booksellers um, who are, you know, let's say over, I don't know, 45-ish. Right. Um, that's a generalization, but whatever. So, is most, so are most things. Um, they just talk about it like it's such a burden. Mm. And it's this thing that's been foisted on them by a younger generation and they have to do it. The social media. Yes. Which, fine, like that's how you feel. But the thing is, if you can think about it as a way to talk to someone who's not a customer yet and convince them to become a customer, it's like pretty revolutionary. When you right. think about in olden times, someone had to walk past your store to become a customer. Right. And now I can, if if somebody, you know, tags us on Twitter and I respond and that like makes them happy and then they go to our website and buy a book and they live in New Jersey, like right. that's pretty incredible. Right, right. I've wandered way off the topic we wander off so much we have a a a highly watched vlog by three people on our um (laughs) patreon account which the title of the vlog is we've wandered off the subject because it's just us rambling just going on okay so uh things that are great about the bookstore picking out stuff decorating stuff i love the holidays i Mm. love i mean you're basically like a part-time like party planner right (laughs) so like just decorating for mainly Christmas, but other holidays, holidays too. Uh, so fun. Like Valentine's Day, all that stuff. Of and of course it's, Valentine's Day's gotta be big around here. Yeah. And it's just like you're you're like shopping and decorating for like a huge number of people as opposed to like just yourself. <laughs> right. Um and uh introducing new people to romance is just incredibly rewarding. Less good stuff. I would say for the first year, I was pretty much constantly worried. Okay. Mainly about money, but about things in general. You're just worried. Right. All the time. It's pretty, uh, you, there's just no, there's just no guarantee like that you're going to do well. And I mean, the first few months were like rough. Right. Um, and uh, so I was just like constantly worried. And you had 609 people who were worried waiting to see what would happen <laughs> yeah which doesn't seem like very much but also you know seems I think
0: like a lot of people to be invested in your business yeah in the first few months when you're having anxiety
1: well yeah and I think a good Kickstarter people who we tried to be like you want to make those people feel like they made a good choice right and like that they be- make them proud like right. that they backed you um, you know, and I think there was a healthy amount, like a lot of people told us we were crazy. So there was like a very healthy amount of like wanting to prove those people wrong, namely our father, <laughs> um, who I'm is very, very supportive. I'm just, you know, he did tell us we were crazy. Um I would say, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I'm very introverted. Um, I think a lot of book people are. Yeah. So that's definitely um been can be tough at times. Um, we didn't have any employees for the first two years, cool. um, which is how I believe we're still here um, because payroll is like such a huge expense. Right. However, that meant we were spending like eight, 10 hours in the store, like six days a week working with people, talking to people, doing events. It's just, it's a lot for right. people who are introverts. Even now, like when I, now I have a staff um, I like, don't really love working events just cause it's so many people and I'm right. just like, Oh, I just want to hide. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, um, there's that aspect to it. And that's people I think are always like, Oh, I'm like dream of owning a bookstore and just like sitting in the corner and reading. And you're like, okay, but like, that doesn't happen. That's not what you have to help people at your bookstore. Right. Um,
0: but you do a ton of reading. Yes. Not here at the store.
1: Not really anymore. Um, I used to when I was working all day Mm -hmm. um, because I cannot, I can't function after 530. Um, So basically when, because I used to work, uh, we also used to open at 10. Now we open at 11. (laughs) I used to work like 10 to eight. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like do all my stuff and then like right around five, I would like start reading for the day and then just read till we closed. Now that I have a staff, um, I get to go home and do that. Right. Um, so I don't really read here that much anymore. Sometimes if I'm like sitting around, but um, I mainly read at home.
0: Okay. All right. So I want to talk about romance as a genre okay. because I think that I might be a super outlier as someone who does not read romance at all or hasn't. can't say that anymore. I now <laughs> have read The Hating Game, which we'll discuss I next made week. you read one. You made me read one. I own some, it's just not something that I go to, but yeah. the more that I've been doing this podcast and I'm in on bookstagram and connecting with readers, I'm discovering that lots of people read romance. So some of these questions might be very remedial, That's okay. but I'm just, there, there is some curiosity. That's so one job. of the things I learned, <laughs> <used to> <laughs> <laughs> great. One of the things I learned from listening to you and your sister on Sarah Ennie's podcast first draft was that a romance book has just two components. Yeah. Tell us about those two components.
1: I was blown away. There's a it's a really broad definition. Yeah. Um, I add a third one, which we'll talk about okay. in a second. So basically, um, the two things that you need to be a romance novel are a central love story and a happy ending. And I will further explain each of those. Okay. So central love story, I actually think it's glossed over in favor of the happy ending thing, but the other way I think it makes more sense for some people is if you removed the romantic relationship from the story would there still be a book and that's the criteria we use a lot about when talking about quote unquote women's fiction which is obviously the worst term in the world but whatever yeah. um so you know those books a lot of times will have a romantic subplot um you know let's say Uh, Jane Schmain like her husband cheats on her and she moves to Nantucket to find herself or whatever and there's other stuff going on maybe she's like so she's reconnected with her high school boyfriend which is like great and dreamy and fun but she's also like trying out a new career and like her sister is I don't know Uh, whatever they open a bookstore (laughs) exactly right (laughs) right they're opening a bakery that only sells cupcakes and talk shaped cupcakes or whatever so so then you you say to yourself okay if i took out the thing with the high school boyfriend there'd probably still be a book right um so not a romance um and then it relates to the third thing second thing happy ending nowadays we generally say happy ending slash happy for now Um, in, in acknowledgement of the fact that, uh, life goes on at the end of the book. And, um, but that's, that's, I mean, this is really the key thing. So, and, and there's, there's no getting around it and there's no arguing with it. And if you do, we don't like you. We meaning the romance genre. Every couple of months, someone comes on Twitter trying to make the argument that like something can still be a romance if it doesn't have a happy ending. It just can't. And you just have to get over that and move on. Um, this is what it is. Um, That definitely looks, can look really different, especially nowadays. It obviously used to be in like, you know, 70s and 80s. She gets married and she has a baby in the epilogue. Right. That does not happen anymore. Sometimes they like decide to move in together. Sometimes they decide they're going to move to Nantucket together. Right. Or they're just deciding to be together. And obviously still sometimes they still get married and have a baby. But the point is it has a happy ending.
0: Can the happy ending ever be like... She no. takes off on her own. No, no, it has to be
1: yes. She with, or he is together with the love interest. You've then lost the first thing. Okay, so they so have to. Okay, so you're not violating the happy ending thing. You're violating the first thing because it's no longer a
0: central love. But they story. have to end up with plans of being together. Yes. in some way at the end.
1: Yes. Okay, and also it. I mean, that could be five people. It could be two werewolves. It could right. be whatever. But yes, no, they can't end up alone. That's okay. not
0: okay. Even if it's their choice to be alone, doesn't matter. Okay. Great. It's, a, it's still a book. It's just not a romance <laughs> right, novel. Okay, perfect. Uh, and then what's your third thing that you Okay, so
1: then the third, right. So, okay, so those are like the two main things. That's like if you go on Romance Writers of America, like that's how you define it. I have added the third thing, which is basically if the author says it is. So mm-hmm. there are books that I- technically meet those criteria, but the author would never describe them that way. Okay. It's basically, once you've met the criteria, it's a self-selecting genre. So it's mainly a marketing thing. Mm-hmm you know, there are books that are considered regular fiction or women's fiction or whatever. And they're being marketed that way that still meet the romance criteria, but the the writer would never describe themselves as romance author. They wouldn't describe the book as romance. So you kind of have to opt in. Okay. Um, and you can, and then the flip side of that is you can also opt out. Um, the author of Outlanders, uh, Diana Gabaldon, is very adamant that those books are not romances, and we have no desire to force you into our cult if Got you it. don't want to be here. Got like, it. peace out, bye, see you. <laughs> Maybe we're not gonna buy your books anymore, but right. you don't want to be here. We don't want to have we you. We don't
0: want you. Okay, that's my first question. My yes. second question is
1: that was the first question. It's been like forty five minutes. No, my first question about romance. <laughs> I know, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs>
0: Um, it's only been 20 minutes relax um I have okay a tendency to rambles it's okay me too i have a podcast just so i could talk <laughs> a lot that's like why i have a podcast um okay can there be romance or is there are there romance books and a romance community of men like marketed yes. towards men books for men in the romance genre or
1: well those are two different questions those are several different questions yeah Go is ahead. there a romance community of men yes are there books marketed towards men no okay yeah, I mean, I think I we, I, I say to people once a week, like, romance is just for people. Like, because right. we, I don't know, people are like, even women are like, oh, these are like girly or whatever. I'm well, like, that's kind of why I ask. I feel yeah. like there's
0: a lot of like, oh, romance is for women it's and very, therefore yeah. less serious no, or it's important. it's definitely
1: very gendered. Um, so... The last um, RWA, which is Romance Writers of America, they do like a pretty big um, survey every couple of years of romance readers. I think the last one was like 2016. Um, the last one, I actually thought it w- it was higher than I thought. They they said 15% of romance readers are male. Wow. Um, and um, so there's a pretty large and growing um, queer romance community. Um, so you've definitely got uh, queer men who are interested in reading both queer and non-queer romance. And that's where you will find most male authors, not Mm -hmm. exclusively um, there. Tonight is our, when we're recording this, uh, is our book club here at the store and the book for next month, which is this Christmas anthology is written by a person that I did not know until I went to their website Uh, was a man. Um, And I'm going to hold that back and tell everyone once they've read the book because their name is, um, Lee Greenwood, which okay. I don't think indicates that they're nope. a man, um. So it's going to be my big surprise. Like, did you know this is written by a man? Um, they've also been a long tradition of husband and wife teams writing. Oh. Um, up here in the used book room, um, in like the 70s, 80s, there are a decent number of people that wrote, um, as husband and wife teams. There's there's a really popular one nowadays. Um, Alona Andrews, uh, writes this great paranormal series. They're a husband and wife. Um, we had them in the store. They were hilarious. <laughs> Um, so yes, that being said, (laughs) um, it's not necessarily our goal to like get more male readers or our goal, meaning the romance community or our goal, meaning the the red bodice, bodice. um, to like convince men that this has value or sure. Uh, change their minds. We don't care. Yeah. (laughs) If they want to make the effort and come check out what we're all about, fine. Um, But this is, um, you know, and this is a space for romance readers. And, you know, I think it's getting it's definitely getting um, more inclusive every day. We still have a long way to go, Um, you know, but, you know, even the fact that I think the language is changing, Mm-hmm. Um, because as good things in society change, you know, as more and more people are non-binary or uh, gender non-conforming, like, you know, it's like, who cares? Right. Um, so I hope that sort of answered your question. No, it does. It does. <laughs> it totally does. Okay. And then the last question
0: that's sort of, I'm sure you got all the time as a oh, bookstore owner, which is cool. where do you tell people to start? Like, what are some oh, like yeah. good... What are some good romance books for people who aren't into romance, who either want to kind of experience the true heart of the genre or maybe some books that are less romance and more mm-hmm. kind of like this could teeter? Right. There
1: are there are what we call gateway books. Yeah. And, we, and we can like trick you into it. Yeah. Um, I want to be tricked. So, I mean, the first thing is that you really want you you really want to ask some follow up questions. Right. Of um, course. Because the the problem is that you only get one shot ever right. so many people come in here and they're like I read one romance 30 years ago and I hated it and therefore I've never read another romance and I'm like okay this well. is
0: how <laughs> people are with me with nonfiction because I love nonfiction and people are like oh I read da 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 and, and I'm I like, like okay well so, that was literally one
1: right so I I try to be very aware of the, the reality that I'm getting you got one a, shot one with shot. this person so I generally ask people like a couple follow up questions because and the, also the thing is and there are obviously some general ones which I'll talk about in a second but also like you want to give someone something that they're already interested in, like right. if they love historical fiction. It's not that much of a jump to start reading historical romance. However, they're probably not going to like a vampire romance, right? Like you right. don't because you know? there's
0: genre within the oh, genre.
1: I mean, on top of genre, on top right. of genre. So we split it into four major categories, um, which is contemporary, historical, paranormal, and erotica. Okay, but then within those, you have so many. So like within paranormal, you've got vampires shifters not just werewolves shifters are people that turn into any kind of animal. so like surprise th- there are freaking dolphin shifters and birds and, hedge- and then, hedgehogs
0: and, and they get sexy yeah i love it
1: so you got all i mean ghosts witches whatever and then in historical you've got you know the really traditional regency england um but there's then a whole like historical cowboys thing like westward expansion and then there's like the roaring 20s era um, and then in contemporary, you've got, um, you know, rom-coms versus like super serious and you can split them up by tropes. We're really, really into tropes and in romance. So you've got enemies to lovers. Right. We hate each other, but we secretly want to bang. Right. Or friends to lovers. Like, I don't, I, we've known each other so long. Like, right. of course he doesn't like me that way. Or, um, like, uh, second chance romance. Like we were together in high school and then oh. we got torn apart and now we're in our thirties and we've reconnected. And Okay. So. So many different things. Um, Okay. So that being said, a few general popular (laughs) ones. Um, I mean, I suggested The Hating Game, which we're going to talk about next week uh, because it's very, very popular and a a good place to start. Um, That's by Sally Thorne. Um, It's a fun. It's a rom-com. Enemies to lovers, as we just said, set in an office. If you want to try out historical, um I Tessa dare is a fantastic place to start. I love everything she writes, and she's been writing for a long time, so she has a lot of books. My favorite of hers is called "A Night to Surrender. ok. And it's about this fake town in England um called Spindle Cove, but everybody calls it Spinster Cove because okay. that's where they send all of the women who are too old to get married. Uh, cause they have like something going wrong with them. Like they are too into like rocks or whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, and so there are like no men in the town. And then because of reasons, a bunch of men show up. Uh, it's, it's just so funny and good. Uh, one of our all-time most popular books here is called A Study in Scarlet Women by mm-hmm. Sherry Thomas, which is a female Sherlock Holmes in Victorian London. Oh. And it's one of those really good gateways because it's a mystery. It's historical. The romance is super slow moving. It's okay. a series. She's on like book five now um, and it's the same people. So it's much, much slower. It's not going to there's like, I don't even think they kiss in book one. Like it's not going to like oh. hit you over the head with like, okay. they're having sex on the coffee table on page 10, which Got we it. do have that. But Got it. um Okay. What else? Um, in contemporary, I'm um, one of my all time favorites. And one of my, I think, romance's absolute treasures right now is Helen Huang who wrote The Kiss Quotient okay. who you said off mic you have but you haven't read yet but that was the first book I bought from the y- store you need to read it it's the first romance um, i ever bought and I, that book is such a great example uh, honestly like sometimes i'm like wary of giving that people to start with cuz then they're like is every book this good well, i've also heard that one's
0: really sexy it, oh it is someone i i like posted about having come here and bought it and someone was like oh that book's like really sexy yeah. and i was like oh it's pretty dirty like okay. it gets
1: pretty graphic um i love a sexy but that book is to me like one of the greatest representations of what romance can be. Um it, it and isn't always um unfortunately um but you've just it's so warm and inclusive. The heroine has autistic spectrum disorder um and uh the hero is uh Vietnamese and he's a sex worker. Um and it's just it has so many just great aspects to it aside from being just like a great book and romantic comedy i don't i uh, I mean it is funny i don't know if it's romantic romantic dramedy okay um and then if you want to give paranormal a shot nora roberts uh who is sort of like one of the grand dames of romance writes these a bunch of witch books which are some of my all-time favorites um we just did one in book club last month for halloween um So uh, Dance Upon the Air is the first one. And it's like it takes place on this like fake island um, on the East Coast kind of um, like uh, Nantucket. I've mentioned Nantucket a lot. 14 Are you going there? I've never been there. You need to go. Um, And also, if you've never read Nora Roberts, like her books are the ultimate comfort read for me. They're just like they're so warm and like the people in them are so good. Like her books are um, she's like a very... um, definitive sense of, like, good and evil. Mm. There's, like, good people and bad people. And then, you know, so you could complain that they're slightly lacking in nuance, but sometimes that's what you want. Yeah. It's, like, the good is going to defeat evil.
0: Well, we're going to talk about this a bunch next week. of like Great. About, like, what you want in a romance book oh, and, yeah, like, totally. why romance works and, and stuff.
1: Right. And there's different books for different yeah, times yeah um all right, so those are a few okay. oh and then if you really if you're like i want i'm going for it i want erotica I want, oh yeah like, the dirtiest, what do we want the dirtiest shit you got you want anything by sierra simone okay who's one of my favorite erotica writers writing right now she's so good um and she's a ton of books that she's from um but i would start with sinner
0: okay um Ooh, yeah. i'm excited
1: and it, that's just like i mean that's just like dirty but like there's also like it has a plot. Like they're they're not, I mean, they are having sex on page 10, but like it has a plot.
0: But like (laughs) then they're going to do other things and have sex on page like 30. Yeah. Great. Can't wait. (laughs) Okay. We, I have a whole line of questioning for you about diversity, Uh but I'm going to save that for next week. Okay. Cause I think it'll pair nicely with the book. Great. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last We're gonna to go to our next our next little segment. It's called Ask the Stacks. I have not told you about this. This is a surprise. I'm springing something on you. Okay, listeners of the show, write in. They ask for a book recommendation.
1: Oh, that's so fun. So I'm
0: going to read you the recommend the, what they asked for. Okay. I'll I'll share mine first. Okay. And then so I'll give you time to think ah, and then I you love, can share yours. Love
1: it. I mean, this is what I do every day. So yeah. So this will fun. On me all the but time. these
0: aren't all, this isn't necessarily romance. Yes, That's I fine. tried to cater to you, but we'll see.
1: I read other stuff too. Yeah. Oh, and
0: believe be me, I'll probably be able to find a romance. I, I think you will. Okay. Okay. So Catherine says, hello. I love the stacks. I've been catching up over the past few months. I traditionally love historical fiction with a hint of romance, although it's been feeling a little stale lately. I have also read way too many self-help and dark nonfiction books as of late, and I feel like most of them have been downers. Please help! I'm in need of something fresh that will brighten up my life. So, mm. Catherine, what's up, Catherine? I'm very excited about this because I, I went, I got a little weird for me, which. <laughs> I'm not recommending any like dark nonfiction. I'm recommending Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes, Mm -hmm. which is self-help-y, but also just kind of great and fun. And if you like Shonda Rhimes' work like Grey's Anatomy or or How to Get Away with Murder, it's kind of fun because she talks about those things and scandal. Um, And we did it on the podcast. So if you like the book, you get a little bonus because you'll be able to listen to the episode. My second pick for you is Look Both Ways by Jason Reynolds. It's a middle grade book. Which is freaking crazy, but it's one of my favorite books that I've read in 2019. It's just really lovely. It's a, it's 10 short stories about kids walking home from school. You can read it in one sitting. It's just delicious. He's such a great writer. The kids are so great. I, it, I just, I have That's a smile so on my cute. face. And it. then my last one was kind of, it's not technically a romance because it doesn't fit the categories, but it's romance feeling and it's long and it's so good and it's gone with the wind which isn't a romance, but I love it's Gone with not the a romance. It's not, but it has romantic <laughs> things. It's It doesn't have a happy ending. And this love story, you could argue, is central. Her love triangle is central. Without it, there's no story. Yeah. I mean, there's a civil sure. war, but like <laughs> she's not related to the civil war in any way. Anyways, it's not a romance, but I was in the mood when I was thinking of these suggestions last night. I was like, this is kind of like, not normally something that I would suggest, but it's one of my favorite books, and I think it'll brighten
1: up your life. So those are my picks. This is so I don't think I've ever like answered. I feel like I'm on like an advice show. You are like I'm a I book ever, advice. This is so fun. Okay, um, okay, so um, my favorite historical fiction writer um is Susanna Kearsley. Okay, and her books to me are achingly romantic. Okay. Like they're just. So So she's a beautiful writer. Um, If you happen to like Outlander, you will like these. Um, She's a ton to choose from. Um, She's a ton of Outlander-esque ones because for some reason she's very interested in the same time period that Outlander is about, which is about the Jacobite Rebellion. Um, So you could read those if you're interested. Her most recent book is called Bellwether, um, one of my favorite books of last year. Um, That actually takes place in the United States um, during the French and Indian War and um she always does a modern storyline and a historical storyline and uh they're just they're great she's just a beautiful writer i tend to not love books i would describe as slow but they're she's just she just really she doesn't let you rush through anything and okay. she just has beautiful descriptions definitely check out susanna kearsley um, and then I think you also need to just try a historical romance and you're almost there. So just try it and see if you like it. We talked about some earlier, but, um, if you are really into historical fiction, I mean, you could really try any, but Courtney Milan is a fantastic writer and her books are overtly feminist, okay. um, on purpose in a big way. And so people who haven't read romance before frequently really like them. Um, and she, again, has a lot to choose from. A lot of romance writers have a lot to choose from. But um, I would start with The Duchess War. Okay. Um,
0: and report back. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Report back. Tell us what you think of our suggestions. And if you at home listening want to get a suggestion or get, get a book recommendation read on air, email stacks at gmail.com. I want to ask those of so us. Yeah, ask the sex. I mean, don't ask us for a romance because I'm going to just email you and be you like, hey, do you have any me, good romance? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to talk about Leah's books. We always start here. Two books you love, one book you hate.
1: Okay. I have my notes here. So two books I love. One is The Kiss Quotient, which I already mentioned, um, by Helen Huang. Um, and then I picked a non-romance, which is Unaccustomed Earth by Jim Bahiri, okay. Um, who's one of my all-time favorite writers and I think it was one of the people who I read in high school and I was like oh this is good <laughs> uh one book I hate um I try to keep it pretty positive however um The Catcher in the Rye
0: you're like the 90th person yeah because it's
1: freaking terrible and, and for too. teenage girls it's, it's garbage for girls it's just the it's just I read it. And it was eighth, it signed in eighth grade, and it was just like, "Oh, this is what men are going to be like my whole life." Like, fuck this. I've been recording a bunch out of
0: order, but the episode that I was editing this morning, the the guest, uh, Hugh Garvey, he also said the same thing. So, um, okay. What's the last really great book you read?
1: Um, it was. Uh, I mean, this is really recent, like last week. Um, it's called The Kingmaker uh, by Kennedy Ryan, and um. She is a newer romance author. And again, this is the thing with romance. She has like nine books as opposed to like 30 <laughs> books. So she's not that new. Um I thought it was great. And it's it's one of those tropes we talked about, which is sort of like childhood friends meet again as adults. Okay. Um, which I think is very romantic. Do romance writers write many books yes. a year? Yes. Okay. Minimum two, unless you're Nora Roberts, up to eight a year yeah our manager is a very successful and popular romance novelist uh and she's putting out three or four this year and so two are self two are self published and two are with the traditional publisher so she's what's called a hybrid author she does some herself she does some with the publisher um if you do all your books with a publisher it's like a little bit less but they have them on like a pretty fast schedule like usually two a year and self-published people like it's like four or five a year it's like you just have to yeah it's a it's a very fast pace
0: okay do you read multiple books at a time yes how many can you read at a time or how many do you read at a time i
1: generally read two to three i pretty much max out at four um they have to be pretty different i can't read like two contemporary rom-coms at the same time but i will read like a paranormal and a historical at the same time um I have a pretty short attention span, um, which makes me a very harsh critic. Okay. Um, you got to capture my attention pretty darn fast, but if I'm, even if I'm liking your book, like sometimes I'll, I'll switch over. Um, I would say typical is, is two. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I usually do read. And what are books that are coming out or maybe
0: that are out you haven't gone to yet that are, that you're looking forward to?
1: The new Lindy West came out on Tuesday. The Witches Are Coming. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Um, and I tend to... You know, I read pretty far ahead for romance because we get advanced copies right. of things. I usually don't for stuff that's not just because it's not a good use of my time. Um, So I haven't read it yet. And it's... uh, I want to.
0: We should also say... I should say this. For those of you who don't live in L.A., you can order from yes. The Ripped Bodice. <laughs> that's true. For those of you who live in L.A., you can order from The Ripped Bodice. You can order... Any book Correct. from the Ripped Bodice. Correct. So if you just like Leah, you you're into this idea of their bookstore, you want to support them, you can buy a twenty eight dollar hard copy <laughs> book to be sent to your home from <laughs> That's them. That's true. And yeah. you guys also sell books by women and non binary folks in the store that are not romance. Yes, you have like a we separate have little a, table. We have a what section. I call the
1: everything else section. Yeah. So like for example, that would be where the new Lindy West would go. Um it's just it's Fiction, nonfiction, memoirs, all kinds of stuff that we think our audience would be interested in. So it's, it's quite eclectic, but, um, yeah, and no, we order non-romance stuff all the time to be sent and to be picked up here in store. Like I have a woman in Kentucky who orders all of her mangas from us and I just send them off to her. And she's like, right. I just like supporting you. I'm like, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So just so you guys know, you can do that in case you were like, how can we support? I don't like romance. You can
1: com. Boom. Okay. back
0: back. Just had to get that plug out. Okay. Because you are a, I'm assuming constantly recommending books to people. I want to know the last really good book someone recommended to you.
1: Yes, this is a good one. Okay, uh, it's called Desperate Measures. Okay, by Katie Robert. Katie spelled with two e's, K A T E E. Okay, um, this is not a great bookseller move because it's only an ebook. Okay, yeah, um, which bums me out. Uh, it was recommended to me by a member of our book club at the store, Katie Tower. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. It is Jasmine and Jafar. Ooh like sort of reimagining of aladdin okay and it is filthy dirty i mean it's erotica okay but she was literally like because because she knew i like katie robert um she has this like really great book about uh, romantic book about cults (laughs) oh this is me (laughs) called um crap something it has devil in the title okay i'll look something with the devil i can't remember uh but katie was like oh have you read uh her new one and i was like oh no because again like i try to read books that are in print so i can sell them she was like yeah i know but it's jasmine and jafar and i was like oh that sounds really good <laughs> um and it's very much the like we hate each other but we're gonna bang right. kind of deal so
0: okay i'm interested in that I'm interested and then in she Robbins. put
1: out a second one that i have not read yet in the same series that is hades meg and hercules
0: hello love triangle yeah i'm
1: interested and i'm very interested <laughs> Okay, I have it, but I haven't read it yet.
0: Oh my god! I hope she does like all the Disney. Movies. I think she,
1: it's so it's like a villains series. Okay, so like maybe she'll do like Ursula. I was just gonna or, say like,
0: Ursula and the Little Mermaid, Cruella
1: Deville, and
0: the dogs. I don't know. That gets a little weird.
1: Yeah, no, no. I feel not, like that's not no, gonna be great. No, no, no bestiality. Cruella, um, Cruella Deville is but safe. Ursula would be good. What about like Ursula and? I mean, would it be Ariel or? Like, yeah. What if it was like a lesbian? Yeah, but but in yeah, and she's like, okay, we're plotting this book out now. Katie, um, Katie Robert.
0: You're welcome for yes. this idea.
1: I don't know what the next <laughs> one is. I'll find
0: out. Okay. Um, do you set goals around your own reading? No,
1: none. Um, it's too uh, I'm I'm much too goal oriented. Okay. Um and it it totally takes the pleasure out for me. And believe me, I have no trouble reading a lot. Right. So one year I was like counting and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I do keep very careful track of everything I, I read. Um, Do you use like a Excel spreadsheet or something? Uh, yeah, Google spreadsheet. Um, and I, it says like the date I read it and it says, and then I'm like really bad at writing reviews as anyone who reads our newsletter knows because <laughs> I'm like, I, I liked the book or I didn't like the book. It's right. like, I have a very hard time like saying right. anything else. But so I try, I try to write like between two and 10 words. That's literally like, I thought the writing was good or like, the hero was too mean or whatever like just because i read so much like i have to remember something about it so yeah i I keep that in my in my google spreadsheet and then i also um keep track basically all year round so i i was doing this informally and then decided to formalize it this year the rip bodice has their own literary awards now Mm. um which are brand new this year so i i had always done i would always publish my best of the year list um which i would do throughout the year. It's not something I decide at the end of the year. When I finish a book, I decide if it's going on the list or not. Okay. So there's no like set number. It usually works out to literally be 10. Like, I don't even know how that works, but I just know (laughs) when I finish the book, if it was like outstanding. And then I was like, now we're going to start our own literary award. So it's also for that too. um, Okay. To like, remember,
0: to remember what's going on, what I like. And was last year, the first year of the literary award?
1: No, so it'll be this year. It'll be books published in 2019. Uh, It's the Rip Bottis Awards for excellence in romantic fiction. Uh, sponsored by Sony Pictures Television. Okay. Uh, and you can go on our website right now and read all about it. Um, the first winners, which is books published in 2019, will be announced on Valentine's Day 2020. Oh. Um, and everybody who wins gets $1,000. How great. And we have a really great panel of experts. It's it's judged by a panel of experts um, from all across romance. You can go see who they are right now on our website. Will um, you let us know the
0: finalists before? No. No. Um,
1: so we can't
0: like try to read and then have our own opinions like the no. oscars
1: sorry <laughs> okay and there's also so there's no there's no categories okay. um so basically and I could ramble about this for a while so cut me off when you want I to will. but um i tried to design what i think is the perfect literary award okay um and i think categories are a problem we okay. don't need them okay and it stops you from determining the actual best books, because what if like this, so let's say you have five nominees for best historical romance. What if the sixth best historical romance is better than the first best paranormal romance? Like, I see. So the categories are really limiting. Um, so we have no categories, no length requirements, no publishing requirements. Literally the only requirements are that it was originally published in the year of 2019 and that it's a romance novel, according to those criteria we talked about earlier. Okay. Um, other than that all goes in one bucket. And basically the way it works is that there will be between one and 12 winners. We can accommodate up to 12. um, But let's say we pick eight this year and 10 the next year. And it's basically based on the New York uh, Movie Critics Association Awards. This is like how they do it for movies. It's just like these are the best movies of the year. Got it. Um, Because who cares about like comedy versus drama versus men versus women versus it's a novella versus it's not. Like whatever. So that's how it works. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Yay. That's exciting. Well, I'll keep our eyes out for that.
0: Actually, when this episode airs, it'll be right before because this is going to be out, I think, February 12th or something. Oh, my
1: God. Okay. Well, well, like, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I'll share it with you I'll send it to you. Yeah. For the second Uh, episode. Anyway.
1: so in two days, you're going to find out. Guys, it's uh, November. Uh, In two days, you're going to find out who the winners are. So exciting. Yeah,
0: but we can't spoil it because we don't know who the winners are right now. probably
1: at this point, like, already contacted them to let them know. It's so exciting. Yay. Uh Okay,
0: let's talk more about your reading. Oh, aside from The Ripped Bodice, what are some of your favorite bookstores?
1: Um i mean there are a lot but my two favorites uh in brooklyn new york books are magic okay um is owned by a really good friend of ours emma straub and her Mm -hmm. husband um and they're just like truly the nicest people ever um and we've gotten to know them just through the bookstore community and their store is so lovely and they have such a i just it it amazes me like people who do general bookstores because you just have there's so much stuff like and and they just have a great selection of a little bit of everything i don't understand how people like i don't even have enough room for all the romance i'm like how are you selling right. everything right um and then in chicago where i'm from there's a bookstore called women and children first um which was one of those that we used to go to as a kid and mm. our mom used to take us to see um uh like authors there um and it was also our first experience with a bookstore that was for a specific group of people right um, which is again like what this bookstore is right
0: okay what's the last book that made you laugh
1: uh the new Josh Gondelman uh it's called Nice Try. Okay. Um it's my one allotted straight man book of the year. You just do one. I'm I mean I'm kidding but oh. like prop <laughs> I don't think there's been another one but he's one of my favorite comedians. Um and truly like uh, of uh, I think the world needs two straight white male comedians and it's him and John Mulaney. Like we don't need any others. Um, I think but two seems like they're struggling. Which is really <laughs> funny. And like pretty, his whole his whole shtick is that like he's always been like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sort of like talking about that and, and like the differences between being like nice and kind and like, um, and he's just also like really funny. Okay. Yeah.
0: What about the last book to make you cry?
1: To my recollection, this is the only book ever that's made me cry. Ooh. I don't, I don't know. I think it's because books, um, as opposed to like a movies or television, um, take so much longer to ingest mm-hmm. that it, it there's less of that, like, gut moment whereas uh, and I really I mean I don't cry at movies really at all I I don't cry that much you're not a cry but we'll we'll discuss that with my therapist um (laughs) so I just it just even when I find books really moving or sad or whatever like it's just it doesn't happen okay the one time it's happened Uh, there's a author, Phyllis Reynolds Naylor of young adult novels who wrote a series of books, uh, about a girl named Alice, um, it's called the Alice series. I don't think the title, the books have like a more, I don't think there's a more exciting title. This is YA before it was called YA. Okay. Um, and I read them my entire life. I think, so in the first book, um, I think she's going into sixth grade and she's since written a couple of prequels. Um, and it was just, it was at the same way that my generation aged with Harry Potter, I almost exactly aged with Alice. Mm. So I would go into high school and she would go into high school. And uh, each book was maybe, I think like six months of her life. Um, And she was just normal. (laughs) The most normal person. She lived in a suburb of Maryland um, with her dad and her brother so her mom has died when the series starts. My mom died when I was 12. Um, And she has two best friends and that's it. Wow. And there's just, she just goes to school and she does stuff and she just is a girl. And I just identified with them so much. And like, and they were, you know, she would do these like, you know, what we would consider now like sort of teen issue books. Like at some point, literally everything happened because I think there's like 25 books in the series. So, you know, at one point her best friend gets an eating disorder and their other friend comes out as gay and their other friend, you know, is abusive parents. And right. the brother goes to college and then comes home and the dad starts dating new people. And, right. she, you know, okay. she's covering all kinds of issues, but in such an organic way. Sorry, I'm going on and on. Because no, it's okay. This series means a lot to me. Okay, so... uh so, uh she eventually ended the series. Um she so she goes to graduates high school. So she did all through high school and then she basically published the last book which is called Now I'll tell you everything about the entire rest of her life.
0: Um, um
1: And I am now going to spoil things. So if you don't want spoilers for this 20 year old book, here you go. Turn it off. Um, She ends up like marrying her high school sweetheart and like they have kids and it's beautiful. and It's beautiful. Okay, so I will now tell you the part that made me cry and probably cry now. Um, This is a spoiler. Um, So she uh, decides she's going to marry the high school sweetheart. And she goes uh, into her attic, into her dad's attic, and she and her dad had like the most beautiful relationship during this whole book because she, this whole series, because he's raising this teenage girl and is like no idea what he's doing, um, but tries like so really hard, hard, and it's just really beautiful. Um, so she goes into her attic, into the dad's attic, to bring down her mother's wedding dress, and she opens the box, and there's a note on the wedding dress, and it says, "I know I would have loved him." Oh. And I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I, I mean, it's giving me chills right now. I, I was so I was a, I think I was a, I think I was a sophomore in college when it came out. I just, I remember so vividly. I was in my room, which was my first apartment that I'd ever had. I'd moved out of the dorms. I was in California completely by myself, and I just like started bawling. Oh. And I was just, and I literally, I I somewhat calmed down, though not that much, and then called my father and was like,
0: I love you. Did I tell you that you're doing a good job because you're doing a really good job? And he was like, oh, he's like, what are you reading? (laughs) Anyway,
1: uh, and it's also one of the only times I've written a letter to an author Mm. um, just to, you know, tell them what that, what their books meant to me. Now I'm lucky enough to meet them a lot of times, but um. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's my crying story. Now that it's been spoiled, I don't have to read it, but I love yeah. it. just kidding. But, uh, oh, I mean, and just like for young, just, I mean, I'm sure they're really dated now because like, I think she gets a cell phone when she's like a junior in high school, but. Um, that's
0: when I got a cell phone. Oh, well, there you go. I'm whole <laughs> um, you, obviously.
1: But you should read them. Okay. <laughs> or give them to your people with young girls. I will. They're great. What's the last book that made you angry? <sighs> okay. Angry in a, you can pick no, what kind of angry. good way, yeah, okay, so um, this is actually great timing because by the time this airs, I think this will be out. Okay. I'm not exactly sure the release date. it's not out now. um, it's called My Dark Vanessa, okay, and it's by Kate Elizabeth Russell. This is her debut novel okay. that she's been working on. she was since she was sixteen. oh it is going to win every award next year. It's going to be on every, you're going to see it everywhere. I okay. promise you. If I'm wrong, I will give you so much money. Okay. I, so I got a copy of it at um, BEA, which is Book Expo. Yeah. In April okay. of 2019. Okay. So that, and this is like, they're hyping it up so hard. And they should, because this book is phenomenal. It's about a teenage girl who goes to a very elite boarding school and ha- has a relationship with one of her teachers. Oh. And uh, it's... Both about that time in her life and much later in her life, and um, it's also heavily about the book Lolita. Okay, and uh, it it's just uh, it is incredible. Okay, um, the just the writing is so strong and clear, and it's not really like about what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Okay, it's it's. It's so good, and it will. De- it I mean it will make you angry. You know from the back cover. I mean, it's about a sixteen year old girl having a sexual relationship with a male teacher. Like, it. It's going to make you angry. That's not a spoiler. That's what the book is about. Um, but I think it's so important because I think this is a really good. I mean, I know it's fiction, but it's so hard to explain to people and to get people, <clears throat> men, to understand what the psyche of both the girl and the guy, but mainly the girl, what that is. Right. And this, that's entirely from her perspective. I immediately gave it to my father and which he proceeded to set on a table and still isn't read. <laughs> um, Because I really, I was really interested. I really wanted to hear what he thought about it. And I'm really interested to see what men think about it because I just, because to me it was like, oh, of course. Mm. It just, it it's so obvious. right? And so I'll be really interested to hear I'm normally not that interested to hear male perspectives, but in this case, I actually am because I think it does such a great job of getting you inside this person's head and in in particular when she's an adult. Okay. It's just, it's it's really phenomenal. My dark Vanessa. Yep. Okay, I can't wait. Kate Elizabeth Russell.
0: I want to talk about the high school books because you kind of teased (laughs) that earlier. Yeah. So what was a favorite book of yours that was assigned to you in school? And then what's a book that you would maybe turn on and assign to someone in school? Okay,
1: so... Yes, because it does say school. So neither of mine were high schools. Because the thing okay. is, I just feel like for some reason, like I th- by the time I got to high school, it was like all, I mean, I didn't really like high school, but it just, okay. <laughs> it was so many more straight white men. I feel like for some reason, my lower grade teachers did a better job of right. diversifying. Um, But doing uh, the, in,
0: when you're, your lower school teachers doing the people writing the books or the yeah. content of the books?
1: Both. Okay. But you just, in high school, you have to read so many fricking classics, a la Catcher in the Rye. Huck Finn. That's another one I could have put on the oh. books I hate list. Um, Great Gatsby goes online. Great Gatsby. Uh, you know, just because yes. they're classics or whatever. Um, I think they care less about that when you're younger. Um, but I had the most amazing fifth grade teacher. Hi, Jeff Stone. Um, and he would uh, read aloud to us for an hour every day mm. um, after recess. Um, I, I don't know if it was because we were at an age where maybe our parents like weren't really doing that anymore because you're what, like 10? Ten, 9 or ten—I yeah. don't know. Anyway, it was just like so nice, and it was, um, it yeah, he would just read to us, um, and picked incredible books, um, one of which was *The Princess Bride*, mm. um, the book, okay. uh, by William Goldman. And I remember so vividly that, um, have you read the book? I've not. So, the 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 concept of the book is that he didn't write the book. Okay, which it, it's a little hard to explain, but so I remember we were like starting a new book and Mr. Stone was like, okay, I, I have to read you the introduction. Like normally I would skip that cause it's like kind of boring, but it's, it, it's long. It's going to take us like two to three days, but I think you'll, you'll understand why I read it. And we were all kind of like, okay. And it's the author is talking and we're like, why can't we just like get to the story? And he tells this whole long winded story about how he finds this like manuscript mm. of this other guy. Anyway, it's like this whole concept thing. But, and I think that was also probably the first, because he was hyping up the whole time he was like okay when we finish like we're gonna watch the movie and like talk about it and it was like this whole big exciting right. thing so i think it was the first time i like read a book and then watched the movie oh. um and then this other book that he read is that i still remember and loved um is called the girl who owned a city okay um and the author is ot nelson i had to look that one up okay um and it's like you know if it was written today it would be like a huge ya thriller kind of thing but basically um there's a virus, and anybody who's gone through puberty dies. Oh. So the entire world is kids,
0: oh.
1: and they have to. It, it's kind of Lord of the Flies, right, right, right. Um, and they're like, it, she lives in like some suburb with her brother, um, and sort of like basically gets her neighborhood of kids all together, and they move, they like move into the high school, mm. um, and like form a community, and like you know give people jobs, and it, it's just it's so great and it's again it's like I don't know I feel like my generation is like sort of proto YA okay because um, it wasn't called that at the yeah, time yeah I never remembered I didn't hear about YA no I, was I guess it would have just been called like an older kids book or I don't even know what they would have called I it I just thought it was a book yeah but I don't it, know. yeah so uh, Girl Who Owned a City um, and then the book I would assign to high schoolers is a book that I read in high school and then was like why aren't we reading more books like this okay and it's a book called Zaytun by Dave Eggers. Oh, so good. I
0: love that book.
1: You read that in high school? Yeah. How how old are you? 27. Okay. Um, it must have just it come out? It had just come out because Katrina was 2008, right? 2005. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I graduated high school in 2010. And okay. I think the book came out in like 2008 or so. Yeah. I think it was, I had an extremely charmed childhood with the mm-hmm. exception of the whole mother dying thing. Right. Um, that sucked. But aside from that. Um, so this, it was definitely one of my first introductions to how harsh the world can be. Mm. So if you don't know, the book is about hurricane, what happened directly after Hurricane Katrina, in which a group of Arab Americans who stayed in New Orleans were imprisoned, uh, in a sort of camp at one, shift. at one point, they're kept in dog cages. Yeah.
0: It was like when, when people were, quote-unquote, looting. Right. And um, the police were finding all the brown people and putting them away.
1: For no particular reason or under no one's real authority. Right. And Zaytun is the name of a person um, who stayed behind um, in New Orleans. The book is... Shocking if you're a fifteen year old white girl yeah. um now I probably wouldn't find it as shocking, but uh and no one who's brown would find it shocking, but it definitely was a real eye opener for me um and depending on your high school curriculum, I would say a lot of high schools could use that, especially the kind that I went to you know it's it's tricky you don't want to tell a kid about the horrors of the world too early right. <laughs> um you want to find the moment right, right. uh you know let them have a childhood but then uh at some point you kind of got to rip the the band-aid, rip the band-aid off. off a little bit and I think this book really was one of the things that did that for me
0: I love that book okay yeah and did... he
1: did I mean Dave Eggers didn't make a, a penny off of it he gave all the money to charity oh I didn't know that yeah he was That's basically good. like I can't make money off this
0: well he's made a career off of it. So.
1: Right. I mean, he uh, <laughs> believe me, he has plenty of money. He's fine. It's not he made money off what is the what? Don't worry no, about but, it. No, not not too many awards for good boys, but it yeah. is a nice
0: gesture. <laughs> okay, we'll do this last one and then we'll we'll call it a day. <laughs> what?
1: But I have so many good I know. Wait, Can we go okay. really fast cuz I have some good answers.
0: Okay. Okay, which okay, which ones are you dying to do? Who would you want to write the book of your life? <laughs> okay. Who would you want to write the book of your life? Julie Murphy okay who's Julie Murphy that you have to tell us about it she
1: wrote Dumplin' and um uh put in oh, okay. and uh she's a great why actually she was a YA author okay. um she writes about people with more humanity and humor and empathy okay. than almost anybody and I just she's such a love I, I always describe her books as lovely okay um even when they're about like hard things right. Okay. okay. That one was good. That's good um, oh, so that, And also that's the answer to uh, one of my favorite adaptations of books to film and TV. There's a movie of Dumplin' on oh. Netflix. It is so good. So good. Okay. Um, Wait, that's better than the book? No, I would say it's equal. Okay. As good as the book, I picked
0: that one and season one of Big Little Lies. Season one of Big Little Lies, fantastic. Maybe season two better. of Big Little Lies, a disaster. I quit. I I think I watched two episodes. An actual hilarious, jokely disaster. The
1: first season is one of the best adaptations I've ever seen. Actually, also I didn't put it on here, but it's interesting because it's the same director. Is Wild by Cheryl Strayed? Okay, that and it's a French dude. I can't remember his name. Um, who directed both of them? Anyway, season one of Big Little Lies, one of the best adaptations ever. Adaptation better than the book. To all the boys I've loved before, oh Jenny Han. The book is good; it's fine. The movie is so, so much better. Oh, good. I don't know. There's just something about like seeing cute people <laughs> kiss that you're like, ah, oh, yes, is so, this totally, is so good. totally. Um, okay, those are the ones okay. I really like.
0: The last one. We always do this one. <laughs> if you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would you pick? Nope, I got nothing.
1: Nothing. I mean, I thought about it, but it's a useless exercise. I... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'll uh, um it just feels like uh, i know it's a useless exercise but fine i'll answer i'll steal one that i had from question 23 what was a book where you felt like you learned a lot perhaps he could also learn a lot i'm sure he's got lots to learn fantastic book called why is it so hard for white people to talk about racism Ooh. by robin DiAngelo. um i don't know that one i know white fragility but i don't know that other one. Exactly,
0: exactly. Oh, white fr- okay that oh, wait. must be the subtitle
1: i think that's that's the subtitle
0: okay white yes. fragility yes that sorry. book is fantastic don't should worry should we do it again no we don't okay. have to
1: that is the subtitle it's called white fragility uh, yes it's white fragility colon why is why it is so hard already? for white people to talk about racism yeah. yeah sorry anyway great book great book um, if you're white and you're listening just go get the book highly recommend I am and I just it's, it's a concrete thing you can do you know maybe you've heard that it's not people of color's job to educate us you need to take under the work yourself here. Here's the thing you can do. Read this book. also gave this to my dad. We had a great discussion about it. Give it to your parents. I just, I, and I genuinely feel like I really learned things. You're not going to go in being like, Oh, I'm going to uncover the fact that I'm like secretly a racist. No, it's not about that. It's like, it's about understanding, for instance, the difference between racism and prejudice. Yeah. And, what it means for something to be institutionally racist. And I promise you, if you're listening and you're like, I already know that, I promise you, you don't. You don't. Unless- I mean, I'm a black
0: woman and I read the book and got a ton out of it. So if I feel like I can get a lot out of it as someone who experiences racism daily, yeah. you you can get something Unless out of
1: it. Unless you have a master's degree in like racial and ethnicity studies or something, like you will get but something even- out of it. <laughs> no, I mean,
0: Robin D'Angelo wrote the book. And there's a section at the end where she talks about her experience having done and said things that were racist towards a black woman that she worked with and her response. So if she's able to do the work daily and talks and regularly talks about throughout the book, there's work to be done and I'm doing the work. And here's an example. Then I'm sure you, lovely person listening, can also find value in this book.
1: Yeah, it's and I'm sure the president would find zero value in it, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Well, this question is really a proxy for the rest of America
1: okay great. you know what i mean yeah,
0: it, yeah the The question has existed in the New York Times Book Review from when Obama was right. president and yeah. I think even before that. And so it's funny to like see the answers change as the president's change. So yeah. I'm hopeful that in 2021 when we have a new president inaugurated yeah. that the answers will be totally different. Go back different. to being
1: interesting things. Right. When Obama was president it was like actually interesting books. Yeah. Now, now it's like people making jokes like the dictionary or whatever. Right. Constitution I get a lot. Yeah.
0: Okay. We're going to stop because we have gone over
1: today. I'm I don't care because I think this was awesome. at all awesome. shocked. <laughs>
0: But we have next week, we're talking about The Hating Game. If you're new to the podcast and you've never listened, we will spoil the book. We're going to talk about the details and the plot and what happened. So if you haven't read the book yet, read the book. You can read it really fast. Yeah, it's a, it's a, quick, read. a quick read. It's It's long, but it's quick. And Leah, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. And I'll see you next week. And we'll see the rest of you in the snacks. All right, that does it for us today. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you to Leah for being our guest. Leah is back next week to help us break down our very first romance book here on the podcast, The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. There will be spoilers next week, so make sure you've read the book before you tune in. You can find everything we discussed on today's episode in the link in the show notes. Make sure to get your book recommendation read on air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, please follow us on social media at thestackspod on Instagram and at the StacksPod underscore on Twitter and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Make sure you are subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.